0: That.
1: It is time for Faith and Life to connect on Rise FM and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. This is the session. Welcome in. I am Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. Today we're going to talk about uh helping your kids deal with grief and the whole point behind the show kind of started I will admit from a TV commercial and a kid holding his goldfish in a bowl and I thought what's going to happen? When that goldfish dies, right? You know how does the how does a child process that? Right. Well, then we've had all this other stuff. We've had some, a couple of shootings over the summer. How right. does a child process that? And I thought it might be helpful for parents and grandparents today to kind of think about how your child processes grief today. So that that's kind of the impetus of the show. But before we dive into it in detail, Tom, we
0: turn to God's Word and the Book of Matthew. Scott, in Matthew nineteen fourteen. Jesus said, "Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of, of heaven belongs to such as these." That's how important children are to our Father in heaven. That's exactly right. Wow! So we're gonna we're
1: gonna dive into this now. Tom, do you at at Heritage? Do you see children? Oh, yes. So you have some counselors, I think, that are specifically meeting with children.
0: That's right. We probably have three. That's the main focus of their of their whole caseload is okay. is children. Okay. And, and our play therapist.
1: Yeah, we talked about play therapy a few weeks ago and you can right. in fact you can catch up on that episode on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. But I wanted to focus today on grief and we're going to look at some research and talk about how kids cope with it and how you can help your kids cope with anything from the uh, the death of a goldfish to the passing of a dear grandparent. Right. You know, because kids are going to process that differently than adults. Is that safe to say?
0: It, it, that is safe to say. Yeah. Well, so children who are, are having a serious problem, Scott, with grief and loss may show one or more of the, these signs. And as we look at these signs, these are signs of depression. So if it's related to grieving, that's one thing. But also, if they show these signs and there's no connection to grief, then there's still warning signals that would su- suggest depression and parents should be very concerned about them.
1: I never really tied depression and grief together for some reason.
0: Well, they are related because an extended period of grieving, when a, a person can get stuck in their grief, it can begin to focus and, and act like depression and become depression. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, an extended period of depression, in which a uh, child loses interest in daily activities and events, that's always a warning signal in any family member, whether it's a child, whether it's connected to grief. There's something going on when they lose interest in the daily activities and events. As an example, if I don't feel like going to a golf course and playing golf, I am probably depressed.
1: Or very, very sick. That's true, yeah. Or you have a broken hip. That, that might have done it too.
0: That might have also. <laughs> so an inability to sleep, loss of appetite, prolonged fear of being alone. That's amazing. Our, our God created us with a desire to connect and be in relationship because he wanted us to be in relationship with him. So one of the most painful uh, negative, unhealthy feelings you can have is the fear of being alone or abandoned. Our God also made that really strong because he wanted us to not fear that, but to turn to him.
1: So the kid that might act, let's say it's an eight-year-old that's all of a sudden acting like they're five, and there has been some kind of a a loss in the family or a loss
0: for them, would that be a signal as well? It can be. And, and so sometimes what happens our psyche, our our mental capacity inside, we will regress back to a safe time or period in our lives. So an eight-year-old literally could be acting like and may have some of the struggles they had at five that they don't have at eight because they've regressed into a safe place in their mind where things appeared to be okay. It's really interesting how This, that this didn't
1: happen here, so I'm going back to here where it's where I feel safer.
0: Right. Yeah, okay. there's not so much trauma when I'm back here.
1: So what do we need to do? I know there are seven things here you've got listed. What are these things that we need to do when talking with our children?
0: Well, Scott, we're going to look first at what to do, and then we're also going to look at what not to do, Ooh. which is, is, is important, too, when we're talking about um, grief and helping somebody with grief. Use simple words to talk about death. Don't get too perplexed. We want to keep it simple because they're not necessarily hitting on all cylinders mentally, number one. And number two, they're going to feel things pretty strongly at that time. So it's more going to be more about facilitating their ability to share their feelings. Which leads to number two, listen and comfort. James one nineteen, we are to be quick to listen, not to talk, not to defend ourselves, but to listen. So we'd be quick to listen, slow to speak. Oh, no, that just. See so you're just
1: stepping on everything in the radio announcer's handbook right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we probably just crushed the the world of half of our, our genders out there that, that may have a few more words. And then also, slow to be angry. So here we are, listen in comfort. To, just to help them be there and 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 help them be feeling safe and nurtured and listen to whatever they they need to talk about. Uh sometimes in the counseling world they may come in with some grief issue but an adolescent might not necessarily want to talk about that right away. They want to subconsciously feel safe before they start to open up. So they could be talking about anything from, you know, cars to Uh, Their baseball games and the the Browns and
1: (laughs) boy, speaking of depression, (laughs) you know, I remember when I was I was fresh out of college, so I might have been twenty one. I got really mad at my family. Okay, my grandmother passed away. Okay, and whole family is gathered at Grandpa's house, and they're having to do all the talk about all the stuff you got to talk about with a funeral. And instead of letting me be part of the conversation and help process. They sent me out to shovel the driveway because it had snowed really hard the day my grandma passed. Oh, okay. And I remember being outside with a shovel. Going, well, "You don't want me in there, Uncle Warren. Uh-huh. What's he doing? He's saying I'm throwing snow all over mm. the yard, and I'm I'm not sure I shoveled anything of any consequence, <laughs> but I threw a lot of snow. But, <laughs> Got some frustration out. Yeah, huh? nobody nobody ever listened. Uh huh. So that that was something I felt so, it, even at, even at out of college. you know, I right. can't imagine as a you know, six or seven-year-old dealing with that.
0: So so putting feelings into words, sometimes for part of our two planets, one struggles with putting their feelings into words. Mm -hmm. Uh So here's a real simple uh, way to start beginning to identify what you feel. We've probably talked about it before. Do you feel comfortable or uncomfortable with what you're thinking? Either way, let's say if you say uncomfortable, well, what makes you say uncomfortable versus comfortable and well, you know and so i've I've done that in my office. It's really interesting to see when I say to them and they're sitting on my couch right now, as you sit on my couch, are you comfortable or uncomfortable?" And I said, "I don't care what you tell me. I'm not going to go out and buy a new couch <laughs> <laughs> so you know they they may express I do feel. Comfortable, well, okay, sometimes what you feel is comfortable, sometimes they're good feelings. Sometimes they say uncomfortable, well, what makes you uncomfortable? Well, what makes you aware that you're uncomfortable? How do you know you're uncomfortable versus comfortable? That begins to help them figure out what they feel. Another variation of that is, are you encouraged or discouraged? Well, what made you say whichever one you said? And so they begin to talk about what they feel. For the child who's grieving, when we talk about putting feelings into words, if it's the loss of a relationship, see if you can tell me a story. What was one of your favorite things that grandma did or grandpa? Oh, you know, I really liked her peach pie. You know, well, tell me about that. And when do you remember having that? You know, and so then they begin to put feelings into words.
1: Peanut butter cookies. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Homemade peanut butter cookies. After we process to this point, you know, keep it simple. Listen, put the feelings into words. How much detail should
0: should we tell them what's coming up, what to expect in the next few days? Depending on their age, the, it's very, very important. Uh, let's say pre-adolescent down even into third, fourth grade, they feel more secure when they know what's coming. That's going to be really important. If they're going to go to a funeral and they've never been to a funeral, we might want to let them know what's what's going to be going on so that they feel more comfortable. So. I know
1: with my daughter, when when Sherry's mom passed and Aaron had never been to a funeral, and she was very, very fond of that grandma brash, it took us about 10 minutes to get her comfortable enough to even walk in the room. Wow. Uh-huh. She just She didn't want to go in there, and I wasn't going to make her. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to sit out here, you sit out here. You come in when you're ready. We'll sit here with you until you are. You know, and eventually she did, and she was able to see the love and support from everybody around her. That's how she processed, and she was a teenager,
0: mm-hmm. you know, early teens, I think. We might want that to let them know so there's differences in different funerals that you would go to. If if you went to Methodist funeral versus a Catholic funeral, funeral i'm not making poking any fun i'm just mm-hmm. they're different yeah you might want to let them know uh, it's a catholic funeral where you might be doing some you'll be doing a whole lot of a mass is a whole <laughs> lot of kneeling he's right up and down yeah. up and down up and down yeah yeah just to let them know what's coming so, so we're,
1: we're talking about how to help your children grieve today on the session and i know this can be a little bit heavy but it's our hope to just simply share some information with you to help your kids If you have to go through this kind of thing, Uh, I'd like this next thing here, Tom, give your child a role. They sent me out to shovel the driveway. (laughs) Yes. And you wanted to throw snowballs at him. I wanted to throw a lot of things. (laughs) Right. So
0: what, what are we talking
1: about here with kids, though?
0: Well, I think if it's possible to give them some kind of responsibility, then that responsibility May give them a sense of ownership. They might they have a sense of control over that, where they didn't have a control over the fact that Grandma B passed away. So you know maybe that's helping one of Grandma or or, or Aunt's meals that they're cooking, and maybe it's helping set the table or you know asking the, the various family members what what kind of dessert do you want? Do you want the Grandma's apple pie or do you want the peach or blueberry? I think I'll take peach. <laughs> Can I even
1: put them in charge of getting the coffee? Yeah, getting a bottle of water for Aunt May.
0: As long as they can handle the coffee.
1: Yeah, yeah, and not drink it themselves on the way back,
0: <laughs> which I might.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, this last one here, Tom, I, I find interesting because this is what we did when Grandma passed. The whole family got together, and at the how at Grandpa's house, and he got out the movie projector. Uh huh. And we watched the old Super Eight movies of everything that had grandma in it. Mm-hmm. And we started laughing about things that she did and stuff that she said and and it kind of gave everybody a chance to process and I think it helped grandpa cuz he didn't say much. Mm-hmm. That I remember he just kind of sat there and took it all in. So I guess the idea is to help your child remember the person. You don't want them to forget.
0: Well yeah, and and so looking at the projector and the in the movies really did help uh, bring back those memories and it also lightened the mood because some of it you could laugh at. Well, in, today, in today's day and age, you could actually do a video on most smartphones, right? which would be very helpful. And maybe the children help. Well, for one, the children understand more how to do that than we are. You got that right. <laughs> yeah, they could help make the video. Yeah. yeah, right. There you go.
1: Right. So you give them a role and it helps them remember at the same time. Yeah. So when we're talking about grief with the, with the children, Tom, how long does this last with kids? Does it vary from the younger to the older?
0: Well, Or it, how does that work? Yeah, I think the older may likely have it more um, in depth. But then you also have to think about, you know, maybe a, a 17-year-old had more of a relationship because they were able to do more with grandma than their 9-year-old sister or brother. And so it it may be meaning, more meaningful. But the initial severe and intense grief, if it will not be... Continuous periods of intense grief often come and go over an 18-month or longer period. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 18 months to recover. So, you know, when when we're talking about it's not grandma, but maybe it's a spouse, we could be talking about longer. And it's people begin to get worried about, well, why don't I feel better? I still often think about times when I, I miss my father-in-law who's been gone without doing the math probably 12 plus years or more. It's still really special to me, particularly when it would be times when he was gone and my mother-in-law and my wife would be all be kind, talking about important (laughs) things about retired teachers and, you know, recipes and things. And that's good. And that's okay. But when it, when they used to do that, my father in law and I would be you know talking about the Buckeyes or something like that, and it just miss that you know those kinds of things i and I'm pretty much over it in as many years as it's been but i you know so my point is there's still memories that are to come that are really good so there's something we need to be patient then
1: with the with children, especially as they right. process this
0: keep an eye on them and be patient and and see them go through the process.
1: So we've talked about what to say to children. Now, it's probably important we talk about what not to say to children.
0: And that's true. And and in particular, Scott, what we're talking about here, too, is not only to children, but you also, if it's an adult is grieving, what we say really does make a difference. We can be so well-meaning and like, well, you know, heaven was ready for that person. How is that going to impact somebody? Saying I know exactly how you feel is another example. Do you really know exactly? How can two totally different people know exactly? It doesn't fly, it doesn't.
1: I don't know that it flies with
0: adults. You're right, it's across the board. Helping someone grieve, or what you would say in, in those situations, really is is kind of a common thing about grief period, so that becomes important. You must be incredibly angry, sad, frightened, or confused. It's more useful to ask children how they are feeling than to tell them. How are you feeling? And if they really can't say anything, I've sometimes done this in session. I give them a continuum. On this end, I'm really happy. And on this end, I'm really sad and angry. Which end of the continuum do you feel closer to? And they're usually able to say, Then we begin to say, well, what made you say sad and angry?
1: And, you know, you say angry and that kind of, I just want to touch on that for a second. It's okay if the kids are mad.
0: Oh, yeah. They can even be mad at God. But the understanding of that is that when you are, it's important that you go to him and you talk about it and you continue to hang in there and work on it until you realize, as Isaiah 55 talks about Our ways aren't his ways, and his ways aren't our ways. And, oh, by the way, his ways are higher. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Now, there's one more thing not to say to a kid, and this is especially important around Christmas.
0: It is. At least you had the holidays together before she died. Really? So how is that going to help? It doesn't. To, To give them the opportunity to... Grieve and just to hear them. Sometimes, just being there with them and not saying anything, but being there if they should say something that you can you can make comment on or care about. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry.
1: Yep. Now there are some things we can say, Tom, and there are some appropriate sentiments to share with our children let's let's talk about those a little bit
0: well and Scott to say sometimes we feel like it's our fault when someone dies but it's not there are people out there who will find a way to blame themselves and it's not true you know what our God's will is going to happen and it becomes almost like a way of grieving itself when I can blame myself, that's how I'm processing it. The problem is I don't feel better, I actually feel worse because I'm blaming myself.
1: Couple other uh, sentiments here.
0: Yeah, it's hard to imagine someone we love has died. That That is true, it's hard to, to come to grips with that. To think that we've lost it and life is different. About three to four years ago, I lost one of my closest friends to cancer. And it was very difficult, it's still difficult, to not be able to connect with him and and he was such a loving caring guy with a great heart that you know he's truly been missed and it, it is hard to imagine it's, it's hard to go on with life without him in some ways mm. I think about his family and, and so sad is it okay to say I'm sorry your grandma died yes absolutely you should and that gives them a chance maybe to respond to it and, and to realize that it, it is important what happened and that you care and, and they'll know that. And to know that you will miss your uncle or your aunt or whoever it was, to be able to say you're, you're going to miss him, yeah, that's pretty natural. And it gives children a chance to be okay with missing him. And there'll be times when they'll miss him more than others.
1: It's okay yeah. to miss your miss your dog.
0: Yeah, oh. It's okay to miss your goldfish. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, I think about our first golden retriever that we lost. It was so difficult. I still can clearly remember I was holding him when we put him to sleep. Mm. And I, I, it just was very, very difficult.
1: And we've talked about how it's okay to talk about how you feel. It's okay to get those feelings out. It's okay to encourage your kids Right. to talk and get those feelings out. Don't let them Without question. suppress it and hold it in. Yep. Because eventually they're going to Vesuvius all over somebody. Yeah. Uh, or something. Right. I tend to Vesuvius over something. Oh, uh-oh. Was, oh, yeah. Throwing. I'll punch walls, throw stuff. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. Mm. Okay, from Focus on the Family, a couple of, of uh, finishing words today. Kids need to see that grief process modeled for them. So licensed family therapist Yolanda Brown says... The healthiest choice parents can make is f- to engage in the reality of their own loss. So the children see it and, and they, they experience this safe caregiver who is struggling because of a loss too. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, at the funeral, Ted and I sought to model healthy grief by allowing ourselves to cry in our children's presence. We also talked about, uh, openly about our feelings with our kids It's said that Grandpa died, isn't it? We said we're really going to miss him. So I think the modeling piece is huge. We can talk about it. We can promote it. But when we uh, model it, our children will learn.
1: Kids will absorb what they see. Yep. Tom, as we wrap this up today, if there are some children that are going through grief of anything from a goldfish to grandma. Right. And anything in between you know, and they're having trouble with it. It Really about how far out should this go before you start thinking, hmm, this might be a little bit bigger than I can handle?
0: That's a great question. If it goes more than a few months, what we want to do is begin to, to think about maybe talking to a counselor. If it's gone six months, most definitely. But we we want to realize it could go as far as is 18 months. Normalizing, helping the process of that grief, if it's going to go 18 months, is really important. And, and to get some help with that is the right idea.
1: And if, you know, there are some parents that have that happening with their kids right now, sitting down with a Christian counselor can be helpful. How can they start a conversation with you?
0: Well, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com.
1: And if you've got a thought for us on a on a session we can do, we'd love to hear from you. I'm at Scott at RiseFMOhio.com.